Hi, everybody. Just a quick programming note. We are working to have the spicy soy sauce cooking kits mentioned in this episode available to pick up on Tuesday, March 8th, while supplies last. Thanks. Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Joining me today for this episode of the Loveland Libcast is another in our series for the Loveland Library Cookbook Club. And today I have Ashley Reeder joining us again, who is the Research and Development Culinary Coordinator for Snooze Restaurants and a freelance writer for Westward. And we also have a special guest joining us, Virgil Dickerson, who is the founder of Cream Kimchi. So Virgil and Ashley, thank you so much for being on the Loveland Libcast. Having me. I'm excited to, to be here. Yeah, it's great to, to talk again. Today, we're, we're going to talk about the March cookbook that will be part of our cookbook group, as well as the cookbook group kits that we will offer again. But first... We're going to get to know Virgil a little bit, and we invited you on today because of cream kimchi, and since the March cookbook is all about Korean vegan cooking, we thought that this was a nice match, and we're excited to have you here and learn more about cream. So how did you get into cooking? Did you grow up cooking, or were you working in restaurants, or or where did your cooking journey begin? So I I grew up eating. My mom is one of the most phenomenal cooks that I've ever been lucky enough to be around. And luckily, because she is my mom, I got to eat her food all the time. You know, I always love food. My dad was, my dad is from Indiana. My mom is from Korea. And so we had a mashup of biscuits and gravy and fried bologna sandwiches and kalbi and Korean barbecue and kimchi and kimchi jjigae and japchae. So, you know, had a little mix of everything, but I knew early on that I just loved food. I worked in the restaurants a little bit growing up, but I, you know, I got a molecular biology degree at CU Boulder. I worked in a lab for a year. I hated every minute of my life and I knew (laughs) that I had to go find a different path. Um, In college, I started a fanzine called Suburban Home, which became a record label. And so I got a job offer to work for a record label in Los Angeles called Hopeless Records. I moved out to LA, worked there for a year and learned pretty quickly that I did not love Los Angeles. I like to visit now and especially I love to eat all the food that's out there. But living there, especially moving from Colorado was a huge, huge change. So I moved to Denver in the late 90s. I opened up a record store called Bakamono, which means like crazy things, stupid stuff in Japanese. And we sold Japanese toys, records, clothing, independent books and fanzines. And I started doing my record label full time at the same time. The label was bringing in as much money as the store with less overhead. So I put all my efforts into the record label. Obviously, this was when CDs were still the way to consume music. Um, (laughs) And so I over 18 years, I released over 190 records from bands from all over the world. Most you've never heard of, but I put out some of the early stuff by like Portugal, the man and minus the bear and some heavier bands like Every Time I Die and, you know, Poison the Well and just uh, kind of all over the place. I put out a lot of alt country too, and definitely a lot of local music as well, but um, it's uh, it's a terrible business to be in. And so, you know, when you try to sell something people actively get for free, it's really hard to make a living off of that. Yeah. So, Unfortunately, I had to downsize the business and 
let go of all of my staff. And around that time, I had known Pete from Illegal Pete's and he had given me a, an opportunity to be their marketing director. And so for eight years, I was the marketing director for Illegal Pete's. I left those guys, I think it was uh, 2019. And I started my own consulting business that I named Cream, which stands for Kimchi Rules Everything Around Me, a nod to the Wu Tang Clan song of the same name. <laughs> or everything around me. Uh, so it's kind of a nod to my love of hip hop as well as my you know, wanting to have a nod of my Korean culture. And so I was basically doing what I did for them, which is just helping small businesses tell their story better. And so I had a, a number of small restaurant and distillery clients. I also did the marketing for Marble Distilling. And I ran a thing called the Passport Program. That was a field guide that got you two for one drinks in Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, and the mountains. And I ran all those regions. The pandemic hit. And even though I had three jobs at the time, there wasn't a lot of work to do. And so the kimchi is actually my mom's recipe. And, you know, my mom is one of the biggest influences in my life and my desire to eat, my love of food, my, my love of Korean food all come from her. And so years ago, you know, Korean moms, like a lot of immigrant mothers, grandmothers, they have all their recipes in their heads. And so I said, mom, that's how, that's not how I work. I need to write this down. I need a recipe. I, you know, I follow cookbooks and online recipes. And so I said, you know, I'd love to learn how to make this. So I sat down with her, everything she threw in the bowl. I caught it. I measured it. I wrote it down (laughs) and I turned it into a recipe and I started making kimchi at dinner parties and making it for friends and always got really good feedback when the pandemic hit. And I had a lot of extra time on my hands. I decided I would make kimchi and just give it to friends and drop it off at their porches just to share a little bit of love in this confusing time that nobody knew what the hell was going on or how long this was going to go on. And so over four months, I gave away over 500 jars and I did a thing on Instagram, just, you know, tagging, you know, either taking a picture of them holding the jar or take a picture of the jar on their front porch and just saying, Hey, number 322 or whatever. And uh, people started reaching out from all over people. I didn't even know. And I said yes to everybody. And I asked for nothing in return. And most people, you know, were just happy to get it. But a lot of people gave me weird stuff. I got uh, bottles of booze and beer and I got a couple of bicycles. Um, a masseuse gave me an hour long massage, like, it was like it was a weird little like bartering system. It was a fun little bartering like community. And I was also biking a lot of the kimchi all over and I lost 50 pounds in the process. So that was another just crazy side effect of changing my lifestyle a huge way. And so I launched the business on my birthday, August 8th of 2020. And it's just been nonstop ever since. I was on 10 o'clock news right around that time. And they didn't tell me at the time, but they got syndicated to all of their affiliates around the United States. And so I started getting orders on my website from all over the country. And the license I had at the time, it was illegal for me to ship it. But I was just like, it's pandemic times. I have to break the rules. I'll pay the consequences later, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so I've been kind of just off and running. And, you know, last summer was just a great, I did uh, the Cherry Creek Farmer's Market all season. I did the Highlands Farmer's Market all season. For a short part of the season, I did the Erie Farmer's Market. And then when Highlands wrapped up, I did the uh, Parker Farmer's Market. And I did the last two weeks of the South Pearl Farmer's Market. And if all goes according to plan, I'll be at a bunch of markets this, this summer. <laughs> so was it was it around that time where people started to want to give you things in return? Is that when you're like, maybe this should, I should just have people pay for this? <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things where I was still getting paid from the, my, my employers. And I just said, you know, 
I just want to sh- just share, you know, right now. And early on, I, people just said, hey, you, this is really good. I'd buy another, you know, uh, quite a few people were like, can I buy another jar? And I'm like, well, I'm going to give a lot more first. And people were like, you should start a business. And it just got me thinking. And so, you know, while I was, you know, fine tuning my recipe and my process, I was making plans. And actually one of the people I delivered kimchi to is a, a food label designer. And she said, Hey, if you ever decide to start a business, let me know. And that's the first person I reached out to when I started designing my labels. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was just kind of one of those weird, like, you know, I believe in the universe connecting a lot of things. And, and I felt like it all happened really organically. And, you know, we mentioned prior to recording that I had never imagined in a million years that I would start a kimchi business. You know, I mean, growing up Asian American in Colorado or just in America, it's a confusing time. I mean, I, I remember, you know, not looking like everybody else at my school and not feeling comfortable in my own skin. And, you know, for a lot of it, I try to just stuff the fact that I was, I mean, you couldn't not know that I was Korean because I look Korean, but um, I didn't bring, you know, I brought Lunchables to school because I did not want to draw any attention to my school lunch. I, you know, I try to assimilate as much as possible. And even, you know, I was born in Korea you know, I, we traveled back and forth before kindergarten. I spoke Korean before I spoke English and I had to do, you know, speech lessons. I mean, I just, it was, it was just a confusing time. And so had you told me at any point in my, you know, upbringing that I was going to start a kimchi business, I would have just said, you have no clue what's the (laughs) possible way. Yeah. Yeah. um, And, you know, back then, you know, Korean food, you know, it's Korean food's interesting because, you know, Every immigrant has a different story when they came to America, you know, Chinese food early on, you know, they, there was this thing called chop suey that was kind of like this Americanized version of Chinese food and Chinese food was just off and running. Koreans that came to America, they wanted to have a safe place for other Koreans to feel comfortable. And so, you know, not quite as much, they didn't really fine tune their food for American palates. And so, you know, Korean food hasn't always been the most popular, but what, what you're seeing now is that American palates have really come around. And then just the health benefits of kimchi. I mean, it's, you know, Korean food and pop culture and movies. I mean, it's seeing its heyday right now. Mm-hmm. And I still can't believe it. I mean, growing up, my only depictions of Asians on TV were Long Duck Dong and 16 Candles or, you know, like just caricatures of, of Asian people. And so now, you know, I, I'm so thankful I have a 15-year-old son. He gets to watch Shang-Chi and see an actual Korean or an Asian superhero. You know, there's, you know, Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, there's so many books and movies and TV shows that you don't feel like you're the only one now, you know? Yeah, so yeah. We've come around a long way. And with that, Korean food is definitely seeing just a huge upswing in popularity. Yeah, and and I want to ask you too, just just for folks who are who are new to Korean food or Korean cooking, yeah. what is kimchi? And and it looked yeah. like on your on your website you have vegan yep. version, and then Especially a- we're talking about a book called The Korean Vegan, and you need kimchi for any of the recipes. Not all kimchi is vegan, and most traditional kimchi has some seafood or fish. You know, if you think about early cultures, they figured out a way to like preserve food and salt and then fish. And so kimchi is one of those things. And, you know, kimchi is pretty neat because it's an international dish. It was like Portuguese merchants that went to Korea and brought the chili pepper to Asia. And without that, you would not have kimchi because kimchi is, you know, for somebody who's never had kimchi, you know, I, I simply describe it as it's sauerkraut's spicy cousin, you know? So it's like, it's got that fermented cabbage. It's got that funk, but we've got a ton of garlic, ginger, green onion, yellow onion. And then, you know, the traditional, I use a fermented shrimp paste because that's how my mom makes it. I have so many vegan friends that I would have been, you know, 
been you know taken roadside and and beat beat up if I have not. <laughs> and so uh, the vegan version has a red miso paste, and both are fantastic. You know, I, I when I sell at the markets and tell people there's a traditional and a vegan, you've got these people that are meat eaters that are just like, oh, gross, vegan. I don't want anything to do with that. The vegan one's really great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I prefer to eat. So that's the one that I was <laughs> checking yeah. out the most. And I'll definitely, I'll link the cream website in the okay. show notes so people can take a peek. And if they want to, if they want to get some, it can be delivered up to Leveland and Fort Collins. Yeah. And so, you know, it's because we live in an Amazon age, if you order two jars or $25 or more, I will deliver to you for free. Even if you live in Loveland or Fort Collins, I'm based in Denver, but I deliver all the way to Pueblo, all the way up to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. And, you know, it's, I'm happy to do it. I, even this morning I delivered to Boulder, to Lakewood and uh, to Arvada. So, you know, wherever it's kind of fun, wherever the orders take me, I always try to make an excuse to try to find a neat restaurant or coffee shop in those little areas as well. And if I'm going to Fort Collins, I'm going to go to Music City Hot Chicken because they have the mm-hmm. best hot chicken in Colorado. <laughs> That's Ooh, a good little good tip, tip for folks. <laughs> I have tips for days. So. <laughs> what um, a cool adventure to like create this sense of trying something new with each stop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for certain places like Music City Hot Chicken that I'm just going to try to go every time, but... You know, when I have a list of, I made a list of all of my favorite Asian restaurants in the Denver area. And a lot of times people that come to buy my kimchi at a market, they're like, oh, I just moved here from New York. Where do I get good Korean food? I'm like, give me your email. I'm going to send you my list. And on it, it says, if there's a place that you think I, that's not on this list that should be on there, let me know. And I've gotten some really great suggestions there. Uh, but I've also lived in, you know, I mean, I've lived in Colorado for over 40 years. I've lived in Denver since 1998. So like every time there's been a new Asian restaurant, I'm like, all right, what's going on with this place? I need to, <laughs> what's up, you know? And so I'm, I'm a food nerd. I'm a, I'm a proud food nerd. So, um, and it's not just Asian food, but because people that come to my booth are typically fans of Asian food. I made that list, but man, yeah, Denver has really become a really great food area. You know, I think when I moved back to Colorado in 98, I, I think that P.F. Chang's made top of the town in 5280. And so you know, <laughs> to, to go back from then to now, things have changed in such a great way. You were saying too that the cream kimchi is in some stores as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm still working on getting into more and more stores. You know, it's so my one of my biggest spots is H Mart in Aurora. They carry my kimchi in the kimchi area. They have a Westminster location. And, you know, one day if <laughs> I'll, I'll write a blog post about this, but, you know, my Korean, I can't speak Korean now. So because I had such a hard time with English, my parents stopped teaching me Korean. I lost it all. So they're very Korean at that H Mart. And so I actually brought my mom up for a second visit and had her basically <laughs> translate for me. And they still are not bringing in my kimchi. So my hope is that they'll eventually carry it because that, you know, if you are in Loveland or uh, Fort Collins and you're looking for an Asian grocery store, that one is the one on 92nd and Sheridan in Westminster is not terribly far, but they have pretty much everything you want. But then I have Ohana Island Kitchen, which is a Hawaiian restaurant in Lohai. They carry it. 
I've got a co-op on First and Sheridan that carries it in Denver. Um, the Boulder County Farmers Market just started carrying my kimchi. So if you are on their email list or you can just order it from their website as well. And that's a kind of a new thing. And then I'm just slowly working on getting into more stores, but then I will be, I'll be at the Boulder and the Longmont Farmers Markets this summer. I just found that out last week that I'm confirmed for those. So I'm really excited. I'm waiting on my Denver ones, but if it goes the way that I hope it will, I'll be at the Highlands and then uh, South Pearl. Awesome. So yeah. people, people might be able to see you there yeah, <laughs> and talk absolutely. about this and, and get some yeah. kimchi or jump on the website and place an order. And, and, try I, and I also carry some other locally made Asian products. I have a gluten-free teriyaki sauce that Ohana Island Kitchen makes. I carry a chili oil that Linji Market makes, which is, I think, the best chili oil in Denver. And then I also have a gochujang chili sauce that this company called Gochu makes, and it's all locally made as well. And so you know, eventually I'd love to offer other products. And this summer, I hope to be offering some other banchan, like made order that I'll deliver with these orders as well. And oh, that, cool. the the clothing and the logo, it's it's very cool. I <laughs> I really liked it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if people are picking up the merch because yeah. it looks good. Yeah, yeah I, I liked it. I get some okay orders for it and uh, a fun one. So for those of you that are not familiar with the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, they're a huge inspiration behind the name, but they also have they stole the mic at an award show and they said Wu-Tang is for the children. And so I made a shirt that says kimchi is for the children. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> my son when he was like probably two years old. And, and so that one I saw quite a bit because people who love Wu-Tang and love kimchi is kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got some fun ideas for some merch this summer as well. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for telling us uh, about some of your story and about cream kimchi. And yeah, people should check it out. I'm definitely going to have to place an order myself. Mm. It looks very tasty. We're going to talk about the March cookbook, like we said, it's the Korean vegan cookbook. But before we get to that, I just wanted to touch base on how the last cookbook group went and the kits with you, Ashley. The kits went very fast. And those were for those World Peace Cookies <laughs> 2.0, Dory Greenspans. And we we had them available, or they were supposed to be available that day that the snowstorm went through. So the library was closed and no one could get them. Uh, and then the, the next day, it was still still kind of rough. Things had been plowed, but it was still not, not the, the best day for traveling. Mm -hmm. But those only lasted a couple days. So mm -hmm. when these launch, my recommendation is to try and grab them in those first two days because they were super popular. And I think they were a hit. There were lots of people around the library who grabbed them and talked about how tasty they were and how much fun it was to get some of those ingredients and try cooking something new. And then we had our cookbook group meeting. And Ashley, what did you all talk about? Yeah, so we had our community Zoom cookbook group meeting, and I had a great time. It was so wonderful to talk with people that had been able to grab those kits from the library and make those cookies. And then there were a few people who hadn't made the cookies or made anything from the cookbook. And we had awesome conversations just about baking. We talked about our other favorite cookbooks. It was really wonderful for those of us who were able to make the cookies and snack some of those kits to talk about the process. And we discovered that Dory's book is really written for not so much high altitude. So it was really cool to be able to talk with the other people 
on the Zoom call and say, oh, did your cookies crumble? Okay, mine did too. Okay, this is how I fixed it. And this is what I'm going to try next. So that was really, really exciting. And I liked, I just really, really enjoyed being able to to talk about cooking in general and about the cookbook. But really, we just talked about our favorite things to bake with and to to cook these days. Yeah, that that's what I liked about the conversation as well, is that the cookbook is really just a jumping off point for trying recipes. That one was more baking focused, so it was a lot of conversations about baking. And, and like you said, the different ways people approached making something or how it turned out and someone saying, oh, well, I, I decided to add a little more of this or just kind of tips and, and things people share. It was, it was a really fun community of people interested in baking. And I, my assumption is that's, <laughs> that will probably be kind of the vibe going forward as well is the cookbooks are, are a place to, to, to jump off for these conversations and, and for people to just meet other people who are interested in, in cooking or baking. And for March, we're going to have essentially the same schedule where the, the kits will come out on March 2nd and the cookbook club will meet on Zoom on March 9th. For the month of March, we are doing the Korean Vegan Cookbook, Reflections and Recipes from Oma's Kitchen by Joanne Lee Molinaro. And the kits this time are going to be spicy soy sauce dressing. And so just like last time, we will have some of those harder to find ingredients in those kits. And so if you pick those up, you'll get some things, you'll have the recipe in there. So you'll be able to make them. And hopefully those, the ingredients we provide can cover some of those things that may be a little trickier to discover or purchase on your own. Totally. So like you mentioned, our featured recipe is the spicy soy sauce dressing. We chose this recipe because it is such a flexible recipe, especially for people who may not have done a lot of Korean cooking. I'll admit I am one of those people. I haven't made a lot of Korean cuisine in my days which is why I'm so excited Virgil is here so that I can learn from him and get some of his recommendations. But for some people, gojujang and gojigaru, these Korean ingredients have made their way into our pantries, into our kitchens. It's stuff that we cook with every day or, or weekly. And for a lot of people, maybe they don't know what they are at all. So that's where the kits will come in. They'll have some of those special chili paste and chili flakes. And like you said, the cookbook Zoom call is really a conversation starter. The cookbook, you don't have to have cooked from it to come to the cookbook Zoom. We're really talking about everything cuisine. So maybe do some research, make some recipes if you can, get the kits and experiment. And let's talk about it. This might even be a good way if you're just interested in Korean cooking to just come to this and maybe people have tried other recipes and they could tell you, you know, what was easy or what was successful. And this could be your way to, to get into this. Virgil, are you familiar with this cookbook or? Yeah. So I've been following the Korean vegan for a long time and waiting for her to put out a cookbook. So I'm very excited. I mean, it seems that she, a lot of people know who she is now and I could not be happier for her, but she's an incredible cook, you know, definitely get the book, but definitely follow her on Instagram because that's how it all started. I've made a number of her recipes throughout the years and been a super fan. I, I am not vegan, but I, you know, if anything's delicious, it can be vegan or not. And I'm happy to try to make it or, or not, you know, have it with meat. You know, Korean food 
there's a handful of ingredients like you know Ashley mentioned of you know gochujang, gochugaru. You know, you get those things, and once you do, I mean, almost everything has soy sauce, sesame oil, sugar, green onion, garlic, and then either gochugaru, gochujang. Once you have those basic ingredients, you can make almost anything that's Korean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's really the building blocks of flavor, um, similar to what we might think of as mirepoix, the, you know, the onion, celery, carrot mixture in European cuisine. Yeah. So we have some really interesting ingredients to get into. And as Virgil mentioned, I just wanted to highlight that the cookbook author, Joanne Lee Molinaro, she, as we've been referring to her as the Korean vegan, I actually first heard of her on TikTok. So that's why we chose this cookbook, because I just find it so fascinating about how food media is changing and how we're getting recipes these days. Like I get so many recipes from social media and from YouTube. And she's really somebody who came up through social media in a really unique way. um, As opposed to someone like Dory Greenspan who came up through the New York Times and writing with Julia Child. And that's why I think this is such an interesting new venture into modern cuisine and modern cooking. Definitely. Are there any recipes in this, either Virgil, that you would recommend people try or that, that are particularly delicious or, or Ashley that you're looking forward Ashley to trying? That one, because yeah, I, I don't own the cookbook currently. It's one that I keep meaning to pull the trigger on that I haven't, and I should have bought it before today. So my apologies. Oh, no, but, no, no problem. I have a, quite a few of her recipes bookmarked on my Instagram, but I, I can't remember exactly which ones those are. So I'll let Ashley answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I have a couple that I've bookmarked as well. I have a big trip to H Mart planned where awesome. I can load up on all of these really cool ingredients because I have a lot of the more funky recipes bookmarked that I don't have the ingredients for in my pantry already. But a few that I'm really excited about trying I saw the maple roasted corn tea, which sounds really fun to me. The spicy, crunchy garlic tofu. She actually has a version of this recipe on her website. It's a little bit different than the one in the cookbook, but it's easily attainable if you can't get a hold of the cookbook. The picture for that recipe looks so delicious. I'm so excited. I'm hungry thinking about it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I also would love to try the mapu tofu. I've actually never had mapu tofu before, even though every time I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want that so bad. um, This is my opportunity to make it. Oh, that'll be an interesting take because if you go to like a Szechuan Chinese place, there's definitely going to be some pork or something else in there. Totally. Yeah. It gets like crispy pork, ground pork, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Do either of you have recommendations for any other Korean cookbooks or just in general Korean recipes that, that people might, if they definitely if they want to try this or or they see this cookbook or maybe they're waiting for it to come on hold for them that, that they should check out? Well, you know, my favorite cookbook for as far as Korean cookbook is a woman named Mangchi and it's spelled M-A-A-N-G-C-H-I. She has a number of cookbooks, but she her recipes remind me a lot of my mother's recipes. And that's one reason I love it. If I'm working on documenting all of my mom's recipes, but until I do, if I'm looking for something and I'm, I'm not near her, that's the cookbook I'm looking at. There is a cookbook coming out called Korean American. And there's a, it's a New York times food writer named Eric Kim. And the book looks amazing. I'm really excited for that to come out. So definitely keep an eye out for that and maybe follow him on Instagram. He posts some really amazing 
just recipes on his, on his Instagram. And then just my favorite cookbook period is Pok Pok, P-O-K-P-O-K. It's a restaurant that was based in Portland. They unfortunately closed during the pandemic, but they had these fish sauce wings that are unbelievable. They have that recipe in this cookbook and there's a handful of some extra steps than you would normally expect that they're worth it. Um, But everything in that cookbook is amazing. And the guy's name is Andy, Andy Richter. And he's an American guy who learned how to cook Thai and Vietnamese food and just at a level that is just unbelievable. At one point they had locations in LA, New York, Vegas, and Portland. And every time I go to Portland, I'd eat there, you know, two or three times, even if it was, I was there two or three days. Yeah, yeah, I've actually also cooked from Pak Pak. I've had those fish sauce wings. Yeah. So delicious. We had a whole dinner party once with Pak Pak and everything was killer. Okay. Everything was yeah. delicious. Some of my favorite go-to recipes are from that cookbook. And um, when the, the fried chicken craze that happened over the pandemic, I decided to take that fish sauce uh, wing recipe and turn it into a chicken sandwich. Oh, and it's my son's favorite sandwich that I make. So yeah. The, the recipes are unreal. Well, <laughs> even though I don't eat meat, I, it sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> there are some really great vegetarian dishes in there as well, but it definitely is pretty meat heavy. But then, you know, if we're going to talk about Korean recipes, I have a whole recipe section on my website. And a lot of the recipes have kimchi either as an ingredient or as a side. And a lot of the recipes are either inspired by my mom or are her recipes. I've got my Korean barbecue marinade recipe, which goes really, really great on short ribs and chicken thighs. I have an amazing spicy pork belly dish that's in there. There's a kimchi stew that we call kimchi jjigae. Traditionally, it's made with like pork belly or pork shoulder. My mom made it with bacon and hot dogs because she knew her customers. My brother and I were picky little... That's how I make it to this day. And it's absolutely amazing. As far as vegetarian though, I have a pan fried tofu and it is so good. Even my friends that don't like tofu love this dish, but yeah, I have some really fun recipes on there. And a lot of them, you know, soy sauce is the only thing that usually has gluten in it or actually gochujang does as well, but you can get tamari as a replacement or there are gluten-free gochujangs out there, but you can usually make Korean food gluten-free. Yeah, that's another thing with the Korean vegan cookbook. She actually marks on all of the recipes where there's a gluten-free option, where there's oh it God. is already gluten-free, and where it can be nut-free. So if you have a special yeah. diet beyond vegan, being vegan, this cookbook is, is also inclusive of those. And Ashley, did you have any other recommendations for Korean cookbooks or, or recipes? No, I think Virgil Godline Monty is another <laughs> uh, creator that has come up through YouTube, actually, primarily, I believe, and Pok Pok. Those yeah. are the, the superstars in my life. If you just have any question about any Korean recipe, just put in that dish and Mang Chi right afterwards, and she probably has at least one, maybe 10 recipes for that dish. So between Mang Chi and Pok Pok, you're yeah. going to be set. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need to go out to eat again. <laughs> <laughs> and have either of you, whether it's a Korean recipe or Korean cooking, have either of you done any cooking or tried any recipes lately that you want to share about? Maybe were a big success or, or anything like that? Sure. I haven't made the jump to TikTok because I'm, I'm afraid of how sticky it is, but Instagram is that for me. And so if I ever see a video for a recipe that looks interesting, I bookmark it. And then when I'm thinking about what I want to make that week, a lot of times I'm picking up things and there's, there's this miso butter charred Napa cabbage dish. And it is 
so good. And it, the presentation is beautiful. It's just everything about it is when you have friends for over for dinner, they're just like, whoa, I didn't know you liked me that much, you know? <laughs> That's so yeah, that one is one that I really love. And then there's another one that it's uh, you take rice cakes and you make a chili oil with cilantro and you can use a neutral oil, lime juice, uh, some chili flake, maybe a little bit of soy sauce and, and maybe black vinegar. But um, you pour the hot oil into this spice mix. It bubbles up, which is kind of crazy. And then you throw it in this cooked rice cake and mix it up. And it is so delicious. The lime juice and the, the chilies are just unreal. You know, a lot of Asians grew up making soy sauce butter noodles. For some reason, I never got that memo as a kid, but I am all about it today. And so what I do is I take uh, a pound of spaghetti and boil it the way that you normally would. You keep a little bit of that pasta water and you throw that in about two tablespoons of butter, two tablespoons of soy sauce, a third of a cup of Parmesan cheese. And you throw that about a third of a cup of pasta water in with these spaghetti noodles. And they are just, it's like umami overload. They are so good. And if you're not doing butter, you can definitely use an alternative butter. Really great. And then I always have a little bit of kimchi juice and I try to, I don't ever sell it, but I give it to people if they order a number of times. And there's a Bon Appetit recipe for these kimchi udon noodles. And it's a ton of butter, kimchi, kimchi juice, udon noodles, and egg yolk and scallions. And it is the easiest thing to make, but after you make, you're like, I can't believe I just made this. It's so good. Mm, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm and officially yeah. starving at this point. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm, I apologize, but I can talk. I can oh no, I, it's, this is amazing. <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, I'm always cooking something. Like last night I made a chicken shawarma with... I've stumbled upon this tahini sauce that I just want to put on everything. You know, it's basically like a deconstructed hummus with, you know, with, you don't have the chickpeas in there, but you've got the lemon juice, the olive oil, the tahini, garlic. I throw a little bit of soy sauce and a little bit of sesame oil in there and chili flake and zatar seasoning. And it is, man, you could put it on, we put it on our chicken shawarma last night, but it's awesome on salads. It's awesome on eggs. Oh man, so good. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, as Virgil was talking, uh, he mentioned a Bon Appetit recipe. There's actually a Bon Appetit recipe that is a regular in our house. It is a gojujang noodle as well. So it's really crispy bits of fried ground pork. So you put it in a skillet, get it really, really crispy. I think you can throw some onions in there. It's been a while since I've yeah. made the actual recipe. But I kind of have it memorized at this point. (laughs) So some onions, pork. I always get some bok choy and cut that into little pieces. Or if I can get really baby bok choy, I'll put it in um, half. And you make a sauce with the gochujang and butter and just water to thin. I always add a little bit of sesame oil and some mirin for some added sweetness. Yeah. Gojujang has some sweetness, but I like a little bit more. Sure. And my partner and my favorite way to boost this even more and make it spicier, we get the sriracha rooster comb pasta from Papa Deli, which is oh, a local wow. pasta company. Awesome. Um, so it's spicy all the way throughout. And the gojujang sauce is a little bit sweet. And you have the bok choy for crunch and the, the crispy pork fruit for some really good umami. And that's a, that's a favorite in our house. That sounds delicious. Yeah. I, you know, I've been a subscriber of Bon Appetit for a long time and, you know, I always appreciate, they always seem to have like a kimchi or gochujang or some kind of Korean recipe. And I'm always happy to see, I know that other people are maybe finding those 
ingredients for the first time. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I think that was probably one of the first times I've used gochujang either in that recipe or a Korean fried chicken recipe, yeah. which is fried chicken with a gochujang sauce, which so good. is also, oh yeah. my gosh, so mind-blowing. Definitely. Another one of my favorite tips with these type of ingredients that we're talking about, you mentioned red miso in your vegan kimchi. I keep some red or white miso in my fridge all the time. And I like to stir it in if I'm making like chicken soup or something, that's kind of, you know, a normal thing to spice it up. I'll stir in a big spoonful of, of miso and it just adds that little bit of like, what is that? And some extra salty and umami. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. I feel like it's always good to have gochujang and miso in your fridge because when you're like, oh, I, what do I have? You can always kick something up a notch with those ingredients. Mm. Well, thank you both for sharing. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm just getting more and more hungry as we, <laughs> as we talk. I think with two food people, we might yeah. just keep going. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm the right audience for... <laughs> Um, yeah, we might get our own show just talking about recipes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and before we wrap up, I always like to ask what people are reading or watching. If you have any favorite authors or just a, a book that you've read lately that you like or an audio book or a series or anything. And uh, Virgil, we'll start with you if, if you have anything yeah. on your mind. Well, I just finished reading Still Life with Rice and this woman, Healy Lee, wrote it. And basically she wrote the story of her Korean grandmother's unbelievable like story of moving her family from Korea to China for safety, then China to North Korea, from North Korea to South Korea, from South Korea to America. You know, for me, like, I think it's a book everyone could read and enjoy, but like, you know, these, my mom grew up around the Korean war. And so like, you know, hearing about it because my mom only tells me so much, hearing other people's experiences with that, brings me closer to my culture that I don't have that full connection with, but it was just a beautiful book. The stories are unbelievable. Yeah. I never, I had never even heard of it. And somebody recently recommended it to him and it blew me away on that similar topic. Min Jin Lee, who wrote Pachinko. If you haven't read that book, similar idea, but it follows multiple generations of Korean families going through Japanese occupation. Also, you know, Koreans forced to live in Japan and just their experiences dealing well with all of that. But she also wrote a book called Free Food for Millionaires, which is great. If you haven't read Yuval Harari, I love everything he, he writes, but he wrote a book called Sapiens, which is about basically the history of the human race. And he puts, he's one of the most brilliant, articulate humans on the planet, but he puts it in a way that even I can understand it. And I really enjoy mm-hmm. that. I, I just read a book called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. And its idea is that 4,000 weeks is our average age of 80 years is how long we may live and how to maybe approach your life with that in mind. It's just a really different take on just how to look at your life. So definitely recommend that. Um, As a big business nerd, and I love Guy Raz, he has the podcast, How I Built This, but they also compiled, they did a book of a lot of those stories. And if you love the idea of hearing the struggles and, you know, success stories of some of the biggest companies out there. It's a great book. One I'm excited to get that I haven't picked up yet is The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. Being in high school in the 90s and just being a big fan of Chuck Klosterman, I'm excited to see what he has to say and relive all those awkward years that I grew up living through. So yeah, (laughs) I read 
physical books, but I crush audiobooks when I make kimchi. I just have my headphones in. And you know, luckily I have a great library that I, you know, my my Jeffco library, I have access to so many audiobooks. I feel like the luckiest human around because I can, you know, rent them very easily and or put them on hold. And I always have something that I, I can read. And I'm and if any ever hear about a great book my first move is to go to that app and see if they have it there. <laughs> well, I appreciate that plug for libraries. And yeah. <laughs> I, I often am giving that speech to to friends and people I meet too. And that, yeah, that sounds like a, sounds like you read a, a lot of nonfiction. Is that, is that kind of. You know, I, I try, you know, uh, Pachinko and Free Food for Millionaires are historically based and well-researched, but they're fiction. But Generally, as I was writing my list of recent books, I was like, oh, nonfiction, 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 nonfiction. I know there's some fiction and I can't think of any right now. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. I'm just I'm just always curious because, yeah. yeah, people kind of gravitate or they get in, you know, they get into some nonfiction and they just kind of, yeah, get on a streak yeah. or something like that. But, you know, that's great. I appreciate you sharing those titles with us. Yeah. And I recently discovered Ryan Holiday, and he's written just a number of books about Stoicism. And that's just a topic, you know, just the ancient philosophers and how those, you know, those ideologies can be applied today. I mean, it's really fascinating to me how we all make our lives way more difficult than they need to be when the ancient philosophers have some great advice for us. (laughs) And uh, Ashley, have you have you been reading or listening or watching anything uh, since last we spoke? Yeah, totally. I'm a lot like Virgil where I crush audiobooks and I go a little bit slower on physical books. So right now I am physically reading The Song of Achilles, which I had recommended to me many, many times. I've just started it. And then I just finished the audiobook for I Contain Multitudes by Ed Young which is actually a nonfiction book. It's the first nonfiction I've read in a little while. It's about bacteria and the biomes of all living creatures. And it blew my mind basically every chapter. It was incredible. It was a good book. So. That's awesome. Yeah. The Song of Achilles is one of my favorites. I recommend it to people all the time. The audiobook oh, cool. is great too. And I've read Madeline Miller. I've also read Circe, her second book, which is good. But, yeah. but Song of Achilles cool. was really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It's uh, If you like Greek mythology, it's yeah. just a, a very cool retelling of the, the Trojan War. Cool. I'm excited. And uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Loveland Libcast. I want to thank you both again, Ashley and Virgil for joining this episode. This was a really fun conversation. Virgil, I'm so glad that you decided to join us. And Ashley, thank you again for helping us and partnering with us on the Cookbook Club. We really couldn't do it without you. Virgil, what is the website for Cream Kimchi in case people want to go check that out? Go to creamkimchi.com and that's cream with a K, K K-R-E-A-M, and then kimchi, K-I-M-C-H-I.com. If you Instagram, I'm on Cream Kimchi Co. So it's Cream Kimchi with the C-O for Colorado or company or whatever reason I can get Cream Kimchi. <laughs> but I'm always sharing recipes. I, you know, if you uh, are curious about my list of top Asian restaurants in the Denver area, message me through Instagram or through the website. I'll be happy to send it to you. And if you have any spots in Loveland or Fort Collins that I should definitely check out when I'm delivering kimchi, I definitely want to know that as well. 
And yeah, and if you live in Loveland or Fort Collins, I'm, I'm happy to deliver to you. Don't don't feel bad. I'm listening to audiobooks when I'm delivering to you. So, <laughs> you know, there's worse ways to spend time. And yeah, definitely check out some of the recipes. I have some really fun ones. I have a kimchi grilled cheese, which uh, sounds might sound kind of weird, but uh, some of my favorite things are combining dairy and, and cheese with kimchi. And I didn't grow up that way. We kept them very separate, but mixing them up, it's very delicious. And also, <laughs> And I'm always posting new recipes too. So. Awesome. Yeah. People should definitely check that out. Kimchi grilled cheese sounds amazing to me. So <laughs> they have the vegan uh, American cheese tastes like processed cheese. So it's pretty much same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both again for joining the Loveland Libcast. And I will talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.